0: We are merging at last from a space-time inversion butthole. It's V'ger Please, a hateful voyage for the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. Oh, uh, it is good to be back. Peter, I have missed doing this with you. I have missed watching Voyager. It was like putting on a stinky pair of socks when I w- was watching the episode just a little bit ago. I've missed it. I mean, at this point, we've come back from
1: basically a month off we'll call that our summer vacation oh, sp- our spring break our extended spring break yeah. spring you break. had uh you had weird cult stuff to do i did i went to cancun and i got a i don't know if you know this joe but when you take a 36 year old guy who records star trek podcasts in his basement and you put him in fucking mexico huh <laughs> Uh, on the sandy beaches of cancun even with spf 50 which Uh is like the super nerd cream you still get the shit burned out of you (laughs) two weeks later i'm like a lizard down here i'm like gold member peeling off flakes
0: of skin and and storing them away i now the important Piece of information to me, Peter, is the last time you went on a cool vacation, you went on to New Orleans mm. and you managed to talk up the podcast to complete strangers and find a bar that had an Excelsior class starship uh, model in the ceiling. Were you, Did you meet with any level of success matching that in Mexico? We met some ladies
1: at the pool bar, which is like the swim pool bar. Go this is me and Nate down there. <laughs> All right. And uh, we were drunk and they were drunk and we just kind of hung out with them on and off. It wasn't like, you know, cheating on our wives or anything like that it was just people to drink and have a good time with.
0: Hey, you and know what?
1: Anyone who's met you knows you're really good at that. Please go on. We started talking about how we met and we've met through very, very shameful nerd hobbies. And I'm not going to say the L word. Uh, the L but word
0: eventually- is LARP
1: stop (laughs) (laughs) edit that out (laughs) so the night goes on and there's a lot of tequila on the table and i tell them about how you know usually when we go on vacations to conventions and stuff uh we just make up fantastic crazy stories you know tell people that i'm val kilmer's nephew or that he's a race car driver or whatever and people buy it and they're like what do you mean conventions we start talking about you know Gen Con, Dragon Con, all these goofy conventions we've been to, and then I'm drunk enough to the point where I just don't care. So I'm like, you know, I don't normally talk about this. You know, we used to we used to be vampires together, and she's like, what? <laughs> I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. nothing as cool as it sounds. <laughs> it's cool. It's not what you would think it is. It's just a bunch of fat nerds basically playing D and D, but it's just rock paper scissor. and they're like, we don't understand. So we start trying to explain it. And it's like trying to hold a fishbowl worth of water with just your hands. It's everything spilling everywhere between your fingers. (laughs) And I'm like trying my best to like pitch like, you know, just everybody's lying to each other. And it's kind of like, you know, mock court. If you ever did that back in.
0: And the one girl's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's going to really impress the ladies, dude.
1: You're just fucking with us, right? You're just like you said, you (laughs) lied about being a race car driver, right? And Nate and I are just like, yeah. (laughs) that's it and we just <laughs> dropped this thing like a hot potato and got the fuck away from that conversation i was like all right this is the wrong place to be talking about nerd stuff man give me another give me another margarita we're we're just gonna do the beach thing so no 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 star trek podcast got brought up my, my other shameful hobbies um did and they blew up in our face and we had to run dude away.
0: if you had just if you'd gone with the star trek podcast that probably would have been in the clear like i think you've got a lot less judgment a lot less questions yeah you know yeah you you dug too greedily and too deep
1: i was (laughs) drunk man i was there was a lot (laughs) of alcohol there was a
0: lot yeah well
1: it was a good time anybody can go to cancun go to cancun just make sure you know you cover up that pasty white skin or you're gonna get burned like i did uh so that was the fun part of the break and then the Hellacious part was waking up to a broken hot water tank this morning. So
0: back to the real world. Oh, I, I rest in peace, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's distract y- yourself from the incredibly uh, expensive bill that will be by talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Voyager. What did we watch, Peter?
1: Much like uh, my race car driver or Val Kilmer nephew status. Season three, episode 14, Alter Ego. Oh, nice. That transition was smooth like
0: butter. Mm -hmm. I've been practicing. Hey, you know what? You took your time off to really uh, smooth your game, you know, really just like hone your senses. I like it. I'm appreciating it. This is a fun episode because I did watch the most
1: recent version or uh, episode of the Orville, which was specifically a moops. I fell in love with a hologram character. Eh, Episode and it tied right into this, I thought, beautifully. And also, as far as a Voyager tie in goes, that episode of Orville also included uh, Tim Russ. I saw. He plays the father of one of the characters. I, I haven't watched. No, no, enough no, no. That's, uh, that was Robert Picardo. That episode, there's Picardo showed up twice as, um, as one of the Sol- Solarian and whatever, the security chief's dad. And the, the second one where he's heavily featured also had Flocks in it. It was like both the doctors. And this one, Tim Russ was uh, like a weird archaeologist or a, a sociologist. I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a throwaway for him to be involved then. In. I, I thought they misused him. I thought he should have been another starship terrorist
0: hijacker like he was in Starship Mine. but whatever. You said it was fun. I would say it was it was fine. Uh, it definitely had some fun moments in it. I think it kind of petered out in the end. We'll get to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice kind of easing back in. It was it wasn't terrible, uh, but it was bad enough that I was able to like find things about it that Stevie and I had a good laugh at. And uh, it certainly starts. It it gets to the point pretty quick. I think before the credits roll, they they set things up, and. Where we start is that Voyager's doing sciencey things at a thing they call an inversion nebula. What is an inversion nebula? What is inverted about it? They never actually fucking explain. But it's an inversion nebula, and apparently that shit is rare. Like they're just giant explosives in space, and so they never last long enough for for the Federation to science them. And so uh, Janeway and her inner science nerd is very excited at the fact they've suddenly just. Blundered into one, and it seems to have its shit together. And they just, you know, they want to stick their their fucking nose in it and find out more. Which, which I get. They actually have a line where they explain the 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 benefit to the to the to the ship for researching it. Which I'm like,
1: okay, at least you did that. <laughs> it's all I needed, man. Yeah, they're like, hey, if we can find out what's uh, keeping these plasma strands from igniting, we could contain warp core breaches or any other plasma fires. And I was like. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Put something on the table that the Starship Voyager can take away from this experience that justifies you cocking around in here for two or three days. That is that is a great application of Federation science and advancing Starfleet technology through observation, a good reason to lollygag. Um, okay, so, you know, they're like, Federation scientists say this thing is impossible. This should never happen. Do you think the crew's just kind of like cringing a little bit like, man, the last time we saw something that shouldn't happen, which is like, you know, a supernova we witness, it was a Q episode. Like, uh, is this more Q continuum
0: BS? On one hand, the show would be so much better if they continued to have a better sense of continuity with this sort of thing. But I get why they can't go quite that deep. Like. It would be interesting if they're like, "Well, this is another unexplained phenomenon. Is this leftovers from the queue deciding to fight amongst themselves?" But I'm okay with them setting up just this, you know, random space weirdness. Like you said, they explained enough to to say why they would care. That's all I need. I don't need them to go back, reach into every past episode, and use that as a, a, a bulwark for understanding this episode. They don't want to serialize the show. That's fine. Sure. So they're doing their science thing. They're investigating it. And Harry Kim, he's a little off his game. He's a little distracted. You know, he's not, not having a good time up in a station. And, uh, we cut to Tuvok in his quarters playing, uh, Cal which is something that, ends up, I guess, being a uh, a recurring um, item on Voyager the rest For of the way. For those of you at is...
1: home who would like to know what the visual is on this, imagine Tuvok sitting in front of a table and he has a bunch of McDonald's coffee stirs that he has stolen. <laughs> and he is trying to hot glue into the Epcot Center sphere.
0: It's it's basically space Jenga. <laughs> It you is. know <laughs> the, that's what it is like what, we're gonna what if we're gonna what if the vulcan
1: game was just connect for <laughs> hungry this... hungry hippos and he's just sitting there playing by himself <laughs> i am so logical enlightened oh eat the marbles he's got operation going and
0: like the door opens he's like ah, you know we're gonna hear about how this game is like the most complex thing and it makes chess look like tic-tac-toe and all this it's just Vulcan Jenga
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's all it is and uh Harry kind of invites himself in and says to Tuvok uh I need some help in how to uh, suppress my emotions because I've got I've got feelings I don't want and he expresses that he's in love and Tuvok asks with who and Kim says the name of the person. Um, what is the name of this person?
1: Oh, you're trying to call me out along yes, there with I am. Uh, on the uh, Lead your please support group. Who is this? Uh, yes, Casey Wellman. I don't know if Casey is the right way to say your first name, but since you're going to bust me out on mispronouncing thing, Casey, Cassie, I don't know, Casey Wellman. Uh, what's this lady's it's name? Clearly,
0: Ca- Peter. Peter. It- Your wife's name is Casey. You know how that is spelled. Casey's a
1: it's a dodgy name. There's many ways of spelling and pronouncing. Uh, So Miriam, Mariana,
0: Miriam. I don't know. (laughs) Miriam, we're going to call her Miriam for the rest of the episode. We're going to do that now. But uh, Tuvok notes that Miriam is not a name of anybody that's on the vessel because that is an incorrect pronunciation. He says, I know it's a character on the holodeck and this is, this is supposed to be a big, like, you know, like moment, like what? You're in love with someone on the holodeck. It must be
1: a Thursday in the
0: Federation.
1: This is a interesting scene, um, that we're getting here because the last time we had Tuvok in his quarters and Harry Kim coming directly in was back on, uh, Lame House on the Prairie, when Kim was like, hey, we need to go get Janeway and Chakotay and what you're doing is wrong. And uh, Tuvok was basically like, get the fuck out of here or I'm going to court-martial you uh, and I'm not putting up with your bullshit. So Kim choosing Tuvok as his mentorship figure, they've never really repaired their relationship after that kind of that ass handing that uh, Kim received. I thought this was a good episode to mend that bridge, but it still seemed like it kind of came out of left field. They, they haven't really addressed
0: it at all, which I guess is a good reason to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's time to do so, but yeah, I agree that there wasn't really any setup to doing it. That's really the only
1: two things I can say that I've ever remembered Tuvok and Kim directly interacting on was, Kim getting real foot stompy about going to pick Janeway back up off uh, monkey planet. And, uh, the one time that Tuvok showed us, you could like direct message people with the communicators when he dissed Harry on the bridge for some little outburst. He had <laughs> Kim looks kind of weird. This whole thing, the, the first scene where they showed him, I was like, man, he looks weird. He looks like he didn't get any sleep. And I know it's going to be a holodeck episode. He's just like up partying all night on the holodeck. I guess through this entire episode, he had the flu really bad. And what looks like him being tired is just
0: what people look like when they've got the flu. The notes in Memory Alpha for this episode are extremely enlightening. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's worth pointing out now that the director of this episode was none other than then Bobby P himself, Robert Picardo, who's, I guess, the second cast member to be turned director on the show. Robert Duncan McNeil got it got it got it first. So uh evidently, yes, Garrett Wang had the flu. So it it sort of worked for his tortured kind of feelings about what was going on, then he felt distracted and all of that, kind of played in well on accident. And then um, well, we'll get to the scene that the only scene the doctor has later. Yeah, Robert uh, Picardo uh, but... going
1: through what they call Star Trek University. And that's where actors get to graduate up to director and learn all the, the parts and processes on that. But back into the Tuva Kim scene. Like you said, I like that they go right into this. There's no coyness about it, that Kim recognizes what's happening as abnormal. It's something he wants to stop. And, you know, it's kind of a toddler, this infant approach of like, Oh, if I can't control my emotions, I just don't want emotions at all. But I found it refreshing that instead of the, being this long drawn out process of his friends being like, "Uh, dude, you got a problem. He goes right to, you know, position of authority. And it's like, help me. I'm kind of effed in the head. And hey, here we are without a counselor.
0: Now is as good as time as any to approach the topic, Peter. This episode doesn't say a lot, yes, yet says so much about how 24th century people, uh, are about their quote-unquote relationships with holograms. And we get a few different perspectives through the episode. We've got Harry who's torturing himself over the fact that he seems to have fallen in love with a with a hologram that he met a couple days ago on Neelix's uh, sex farm. And you've got Tom Paris who's going to come in later with a pretty uh, um, a shoulder-shrugging attitude about it. And then even Bolana has a hot take later on. So I want to ask you, what was your impression of the actual way the writers intended to portray the idea of someone quote unquote falling in love with a hologram?
1: I want to go deep in the nerd forest on this. We're We're going to go deep in the weeds.
0: I swear expected to go. I have a machete and I am prepared to defend myself going
1: super nerd here um, to my understanding, and I've not read any memory alpha entries or anything, but the galaxy class starship inclusion of holodecks was a big deal to the crew in next gen season one encounter at far point. It blew Riker's mind. Everybody's just like, wow. And really what they're doing is talking to the audience being like, Hey, Look at this really cool plot device that we're going to endanger the ship with uh, six times a season. But it was my understanding from those interactions that holodecks were a brand new thing. And you don't just have them everywhere. And the galaxy class are the hot shit. And this is like the Federation's first experience, at the very least, with having a holodeck facility on a starship. So this is new technology. And at this point, season one of Next Gen was maybe 10 years ago in in Starfleet, like Stardate real time. So the Federation's experience with holodeck characters, even the basic like pre-updates, because they uh, season two or three, it's the Binar episode where they get Minuet. and They're like, wow, this new updated holodeck. That's where they fall. uh, Picard and Riker fall in love with Minuet. That's where they're like, oh, man, this is almost too real. I'm feeling these emotions. I shouldn't for a hologram so that's like 1 year into like starfleet mass adoption of it so within a a 9 to 10 year stint one decade the federation or starfleet as a whole has had enough experiences with holodecks and holodeck characters for there to be enough case studies or personal experiences from the crew to have formed these opinions on what is appropriate what is inappropriate and where you're going to draw your personal lines. Um, so all that being on the table. I mean that's kind of like you and me looking at smartphones, right? Like look how far
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Smartphones, iPhones, Androids, all that stuff have come in about 10 years. Into the the deep level of penetration that these devices have on the everyday operation of our
0: society. You're bringing them into your bed. You, you fucking nail You know it you fucking nailed it dude i was gonna say the exact same thing like the the parallel to the real life adoption of the smartphone to where we were 10 years ago to where we are now is i think the exact way to look at it and a, a perfect way in which to encapsulate the federation's experience with this to date and how quickly your perception of things can change um you're you're absolutely right it's been about 10 years since that first episode of of TNG where everyone's like wow this is crazy but now everyone has gotten so used to it that uh you know it's almost strange to think of their lives without it it's it's been very normalized right it's they've become dependent on it in a strange way there's a scene
1: i wanted that really stood out to me And I don't know what point it happens, but they go in and it's Neelix and he's giving directions to the holograms of like where to hang. Chandeliers or something in this this luau party that he's making, and I don't know why, but that scene really struck out to me. It's like you've got crew members in the holodeck, like telling people where to put what and it's like you could be putting this effort of rearranging and cleaning and nitpicking or whatever in the real ship that is stuck in the Delta Quadrant in a bad position and needs a lot of love and intention. Like, is it like a cell phone where like Janeway has to worry about, like, man, people are playing on their phones instead of doing work. People are putting energy they should be putting into keeping this fucking ship together as we try to fly home. And instead, they're like, you know, polishing brass on holograms. Uh, back to your, your question about what... What kind of baseline tone are they trying to set? I don't know, man. Like if we're going to talk about phones, I, you know, I would say it's it's addictive. And some people, some of us are good when we go to dinner at leaving the phone in your pocket and, and concentrating on the person across. A lot of us are bad and, you know, they're still reaching in and checking messages. And I think at this point, like you don't really see people. Calling each other out on bad behavior, like people recognize it as, like, man, this dude's on his phone too much. But it's not like people are getting around, at least in my circles, and gossiping about it or calling each other out in public. I think, from what I'm seeing in this episode, the the end is just some people are are good at keeping it at arm's distance, and some people just go real deep on it. But hey, you know, you do you, and 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 whatever. I'm doing weird stuff on my own that I'm not even showing you about. So I'm just going to keep my opinions to myself and, and we'll see where this thing goes.
0: There's so many unintended consequences with holodeck technology. Now, obviously presents most of the plot lines, most of them terrible that we get with holodeck stuff Uh, with, with some rare exceptions. And I'd say this was definitely better than the, some of the real bad holodeck stuff. And the unintended consequences of that is how this technology ends up impacting your lives. We see that right now with how uh, the advent of the cell phone made the advent of social media so ingrained into people's lives. that Pervasive. Pervasive. Such that there's an excellent argument to be made about its destructive qualities. Yet... It's become so pervasive that abandoning it seems almost impossible. And in many ways, you see that reflected in how everyone is adopted to the idea of holodecks and interactive holographic programs that you can, in fact, fall in love with. When 10 years ago, they didn't have technology powerful enough to even have this. I mean we, you and I were both in college when the idea of a, a smartphone like we have today was in fact solely the province of science fiction absolutely. And that was when we were adults. Yeah. and here we are, you know barely in, you know in, into uh, our, our middle age and we are now confronted with the reality of that thing that you, we would be our uh, a science fiction device is not only real but something that if I don't have on me I feel a slight sense of anxiety. Oh, absolutely. Like like I'm incomplete as a person. Like it's a big deal when I purposely decide not to bring my phone with me somewhere to to like when we go to Kings Island which is a uh, theme park near here in Cincinnati, Ohio and Peter and I are both fans of it and I go there every year for my birthday to just run a bunch of roller coasters. Stevie and I we have a whole thing that we do and we don't bring our phones just because we want to 100 be 100 percent in the moment uh not worrying about in the moment not worrying about technology you know losing it or breaking it, that sort of thing and it's so weird it's like what time is it i don't know i'm gonna have to buy a fucking watch or something jesus like we have a question about something i can't just google it that's what that's we're,
1: we're straying pretty far off topic but that's absolutely that today i ended up in a car with a dumb phone because i had to leave my 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 pixel at work for providing internet because the internet was down and I had to print Google maps instructions on how to get someplace. And I'm there in a car with a dumb phone and instructions like it's 2004. And I'm like, how the hell did I live like this? I feel like (laughs) I feel like I should be wearing a fucking loincloth and have a spear in the backseat. This is savage.
0: When I did my uh, cross-country road trip when I was 22, I did it with an
1: actual atlas. I mean, could you imagine? Could I imagine someone doing a road trip with an atlas who would later go on to have a Star Trek
0: podcast? Yes. Okay, fair. You got me there, bro. Nerd. Okay. But to bring us back, uh, everybody has kind of different perspectives as there's, you know, socialization around this idea has occurred. And I think it's kind of neat that, you know. Uh, Tuvok says, hey, the feelings you're having for this program are, are the same as if it were for a flesh and blood person, uh, because that is what the program is, You've been designed to do, uh, where Tom is like, yo, buddy, you shouldn't beat yourself up. Like, who hasn't fallen in love with a hologram before? Come on, man.
1: I liked his you know, advice. Like, who
0: hasn't shit posted to Reddit before? Who hasn't posted a troll meme before? Man, it's happened to and everybody. And stick with
1: your normal regimen. Like, he actually has a an over-the-counter solution for harry to pursue it um i thought it was interesting that at no point did kim or tom or tuvok just be like well you know what you just rip the band-aid off and if you're getting too attached just delete that program and now the temptation's gone and you're gonna be reminded that that person wasn't real and you uh you know problem solved
0: Yeah, well, I guess that does happen in a way because eventually Tuvok does try to delete the program. Yeah, but that's
1: That's not the first wave response of how to deal with this. So Tuvok takes Harry down to the holodeck. He's like, let's go confront this, and I'm going to show you some Vulcan shit about how we're going to identify the patterns of what you're seeing. And there's two things that happen in this episode. One is we get to explore what is the Federation, specifically Starfleet's relationship boundaries with holodeck characters and then also which is to say there are none yeah man it's really a it's a you know (laughs) throw it at the wall and see what sticks for you personally Uh, the other is more of tuvok explaining to uh, the audience how vulcan logic really works Uh, In this case, it's going to be specifically emotional suppression to passion felt about other people. And it's not just, you know, this blanket. We just brute force the emotions out of existence. It's like we uh, assess the threat. Um, We have a skeletal image made of where, you know, the key points of that are supporting this construct of love. And then we find those key points and we snip those with a scalpel and the whole thing falls apart. And that's, that's how we're going to do this. And I thought that was neat insight for the show to give. And I think it was. they do a nice job explaining stuff like that without getting too crazy and just keeping it reasonable and, and, and plausible. I enjoyed that.
0: I completely agree. I, I thought that the in universe explanation of how Vulcan's handle emotions uh partners in a lot of ways is the head canon that I think we we came up with it, I think, is it's quite appropriate for TNG, which is Data always had yeah. emotions, right? We, we we came to the conclusion while we were meandering on that topic that actually Data had emotions the entire time on TNG. They were just simply super turned down. The volume is way down on it, and his emotion chip just unlocked the, the, the regulator, so to speak, on his emotions and allowed him to experience them more fully. Whereas Vulcans do experience emotions. They just kind of have this internal disassociation process they have through this rigorous mental training that they do to dissect it, understand it, and therefore be able to uh, contain it as a consequence of that process. And we have bagged really, really hard on essentially most of the other times that Tuvok is asked to be the emotional fulcrum of an episode. And this, to me, is the uh, most successful version of that episode they've done so far because they take you on that little journey and when we see Tuvok dealing with uh, the hologram later and what he goes through now we have context for why he's doing what he's doing and how this situation is quite special because it's clearly catching him with his shields down yeah, and that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and that helps so much into making him a more compelling character in a quote unquote emotional episode, where otherwise it's been dog shit. I got another question
1: since we're this is a technical episode. And I know we've talked about it lightly before, but so Kim goes down to the and we're gonna say Polynesian, even though it's a Talaxian resort as established earlier. Right. Uh how many crew members can be in the holodeck at the same time? Realistically, because, yes, there's force fields and they can move you around and the force fields can go concave or convex to like make people seem like they're further. But there's still only so much room in there. Like, right. We talked about the Beowulf episode. Like if someone dies and they just fall on the floor and they start rotting and stinking and you're walking around it, you're probably going to like. Be, you know, in their role playing or whatever and, and smell the guy dying two inches away from you if, if if everybody's just packed in there when you've got this polynesian resort and there's like people like hang gliding and parasailing and all this other stuff in the same area where you've got tuvok and kim sitting there playing chess like how ridiculous would it look if you were you know looking from the control panel and you just see all the holograms as wireframe images and, and a bunch of dudes just packed in there like uh, a barrel full of monkeys
0: yeah the you know the manipulation of light and space that they can do um you know obviously makes it so that it's difficult to say for sure but there has to be some kind of limitation to the energy you know the physics of it um and it's not like everybody on the ship could possibly be invited because other people are operating the ship while this is going on so once again it's one of those things that you know Janeway invites her people to but the fucking peons that work the night shift you know that that might be that you know dolby mm-hmm. you know and his crowd you know the the, the, <laughs> ne'er, the ne'er-do-wells that have to be falcon punched. Yeah. they're the ones that aren't there you know they're they're the ones that have to uh, operate the vessel you yeah. know so they're gonna come on later for dolby's you know uh cardassian strangling simulation that he likes to do every other thing i don't blame him uh so they
1: get down there and tubac as we're at the uh 33 minute mark we finally get to meet the uh the the titular character, Mariana.
0: Thirty three minutes in, we're barely into Act One. We're in, we're in, we're in real form here. And
1: uh, yeah, what's uh, the first
0: thing you notice about her? I got uh, uh, some some really big mom vibes off of that hair, some Farrah Fawcett All hair, and she's of the got...
1: hairspray in the ship has gone into this lady's
0: hair. Yes. She had, she had also what I would call '70s tits. Does that make sense? Can we talk about her boobs? Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm opening that discussion. I'm opening that discussion. Part
1: of the fun conversation uh, topics that Robert Picardo offered to the Memory Alpha thing was saying that he had a really easy time filming this episode. There were no problems except for. This lady in this gold swimsuit she has, it was real cold on the set. The nipples were getting distracting, so they had to shut down production for 45 minutes while they padded the inside of her suit. So UPN didn't issue them any what they called nipple memos. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nipple. That's great. Nipple memos. Um, You can't even pronounce nipple, right? This I'm is, sorry. I'm all flustered. It's the, the mental to. image. What, what are 70s tits?
0: Uh, they just, I mean, it makes sense. It looks a little padded, mm-hmm. you know, a little too perfect. That would that would be the description. But that's that explains why that yeah. there were they had to they had to uh, sew in uh, nipple protection. Yeah. That, that does it. Uh, Metaphasic nipple shielding.
1: No, man, I, I liked her. She's pretty. Yeah, she's got like some super hairspray time going on. But it's easy to see how Harry uh, got a thing for this lady. And she starts playing him like a fiddle right in front of Tuvok. She comes up, Harry introduces him. She's like, ah, I pulled my leg hang gliding. Hey, Harry, why don't you feel my calf muscle in front of this Vulcan dude while I uh, show my butt? And uh, hey, what are you guys up to? Uh, Harry stumbles (laughs) through some dialogue. You got Tuvok
0: giving them the people's eyebrow. Oh, yeah. He busts that out a lot, although he does not uh, say fascinating. He says interesting. You've, have you noticed that? He doesn't say what Spock says. He has a different exclamation. It really stuck out to me this time. I
1: did not catch that. But uh, after a little display that uh, Kim's got a bad case of the uh, the crushes, they get called up to the bridge to go look at this inversion nebula some more. And Tuvok lays it all out that Harry is a textbook case of... Um, Whatever his Vulcan word is, and that they're gonna have their work cut out for him.
0: So I guess <laughs> it was really funny their walk and talk. Uh some some extra got in the middle of them at one point and they just kept that take. I don't know why. The, the point that Tuvok essentially makes is uh you're filled with lust. Uh and we gotta we gotta we gotta deal with that. Like uh and he diagnoses it perfectly, which Communicates to the watcher. I would hope that the reason why he knows all this is because this is what happens to everybody, including Vulcans. Like Vulcans too can call- fall firmly in lust, and and the show takes the extra step of giving us some awesome foreshadowing because a little later on we see the other Vulcan on the ship, Ensign Vorik, uh, trying to set the mood with little romantic date action with a uh, very handsome looking, uh, Lute- Lieutenant, Lieutenant Torres, the move that he makes at the Luau of like doing the very Vulcan thing of like reserving in advance a table based on a comment that he, she made five days prior so that they could have dinner together. I think was intended to demonstrate like this, this guy
1: a is fucking stalker.
0: firmly firmly in
1: lust with his boss. That dude is a stalker. That was a real creep moment.
0: What's that? Hold on. That wasn't a creep moment. It was. It wasn't a creep moment. He's like, I I made a reservation. Would you like to go get? He's like, I I made a reservation
1: with this table for this thing. I know you like, because I put a note in my book about Balana about how much you said you liked this one thing. So we're going to plan. Like, dude, you keep that stuff behind the curtain. You don't. If you're Fred from Scooby Doo, you don't show the monster the trap
0: you're laying for. You don't get the blueprints out, all right? You just Hey, hey, he's a socially awkward Vulcan. That that seemed adorably charming to me and not stalkerish. He gets stalkerish later as as we'll find out, but right now it's just it was just like, you know, your nerdy friend trying to put the moves on a chick legs well, likes. And, speaking uh, of the background and, characters, and, I
1: did like, you know, you mentioned that Ensign walking and, and like bumping into Tuvok and Kim. I think stuff like that's cool. I wish they do it more where it makes the ship seem lived in and not just a, a, a set piece. Uh, I want to ask you a question before we move in deeper. Do you think these resort holodeck characters are supposed to be self-aware of the fact they're characters in a holodeck simulation?
0: They are not supposed to be because there is a specific example of a recurring character that is from DS Nine. I've mentioned it before. Vic Fontaine is a character that gets introduced in DS Nine that is a self-aware holographic character, and that is that is something that is established from the beginning of when he's when he's created. And is uh, remarked upon by the characters, like, wait a second, he knows he's a hologram. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm a hologram. <laughs> like, and so they're not supposed to be self-aware, um, especially, I guess, like the quote unquote entertainment holograms aren't supposed to be. Obviously, the doctor is self-aware. I like that division.
1: And we'll get into that in a little bit. So because I thought Marriott, what are we calling her? Mary? Miriam. Miriam. <laughs> uh shout out to Casey again, uh, Miriam, (laughs) not my wife. Uh, (laughs) I thought she really came off as, as in the loop during their first conversation. Like she was aware that, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're serving a function on a starship and that's where these guys are getting called off when they talk about bridge and
0: stuff. But so what, what ends up happening is, uh, they, they are at the nebula. There's some sort of strange dampening field that is is preventing it from exploding. And they break for the luau that Neelix is putting on in uh the Polynesian Resort. And Tuvok doesn't want to go. And essentially Janeway suggests that he should. There's not a lot of Janeway really in this episode. She's just kind of doing the captain thing and that's it. Otherwise, she's not really involved. And... Tuvok, you know, shows up, but he's the only one in uniform. He's the only one who doesn't want to lay on on him. And uh, we this is, of course, where we get the best scene in the episode. And that's when Bobby P puts himself in the episode. This is only scene, And uh, he decides that it will be a scene where the doctor is musing about what it would be like to be a uh, entertainment hologram and not have to worry about things while making out with two different Polynesian holograms, just enjoying himself. And this was, a, we, we died laughing because like this, the first one kisses him and he's like, huh? And then he kisses the second one. And he kind of goes for gold a little bit, get a little bit of little, right on the lips. action.
1: He's into it. Yeah. I believe to quote Robert Picardo. Um, you know, the fun thing about directing myself is I get to use myself in the roles. I believe I am best suited uh, which is a, <laughs> a a sexual object. Uh, I hope other directors are taking notes. I liked his conversation. It's something that we we got um, a taste of before. Uh, what was the one where he starts losing his pattern and they have to call uh, the other actual doctor Cochrane or Zimmerman and
0: Doctor Zimmerman. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which which episode was that?
0: God, I forget the name. I certainly remember the
1: plot, though. Whatever. So you know, he starts off singing opera on the holodeck, and it was our first introduction that maybe these holodeck characters don't like the the working holograms that get to free roam the insides of the ship. I liked him doing a little bit more division of labor, and I don't know, maybe even taking advantage of him. I I'm not really sure what that scene was all about at its core.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, is he uh, is he just? You know, allowing them to fulfill their function or is he uh, he uh, being a little unethical? You know, I, it's, it's hard to tell. It's hard to really tell.
1: Meanwhile, you got Kim back in his quarters in what I will go ahead and point out as some more good looking future off duty casual clothes.
0: Oh, I want to say a second about how much I love Tom Paris in this episode. OK, I love confident. Bad boy, Tom. That's my f- best. That's the best version of Tom, in my opinion. And in this episode, he uh, he clearly starts to have interest in Balana, like romantically. He is he's kind of flirting with her. And uh, there's a moment when he decides he's going to split because he hears that uh, Harry's not going to be joining, and he doesn't think that's cool. Balana says, uh, "You seem to be very confident in your powers of persuasion." Tom just like basically like checks her out because she's in this dress and goes, yes, I am. And then closes the scene and he like rolls into Harry's uh, quarters like, all right, shithead, you're going to the party. He's like he's like that, you know, that asshole uh, pledge brother, you know, and your frat that you you, you really want to sit back and, you know, jam on some video games. But this guy is really trying to get you to go to this party where all the the hot sorority chicks are going to be. I don't know if you know anything about that kind of person, Peter.
1: No idea. No comment. Um, yeah, he, he cruises into Kim's quarters like, hey, what are you doing? Harry's in there doing some uh, Vulcan prayer meditation stuff. And that's where uh, Tom plays a card like, come on, dude, just get over. And he's like, oh, gee whiz. You know, is it really that apparent that I've fallen in love with this specific Uh, holodeck character and Tom's like, yeah, obviously like, uh, you know, here's the reasons I know why. And, uh, Kim's like, I'm doing all this Vulcan, uh, de-emotionalizing technique and and I'm just going to swear off emotions. And Tom's like, man, you're blowing this out of proportion. Like we said before, big deal. You fell in love with a holodeck character. It'll happens to the best of us. You just stay in your routine. You work your way through it. No big deal. Let's go do this thing. I liked Tom in this episode a lot. I like Tom and I like Kim ever since the shoot. I think they really solidified. What is this relationship supposed to be about? I think the actors have the confidence and how to play in these scenes. And I think that uh, Garrett Wang uh, really starts holding up his end of scenes with Kim, not only in his interactions with uh, Paris, but also with Tuvok. He's he's starting to become an interesting Character for other people to interact with. I, I find it to be genuine, and, and I enjoy it. And ultimately, uh, Tom wins this. Uh, wins his persuasion attempt on Harry. He goes to leave. Harry's like, "Uh, hold on. Actually, this sucks. I'm bored. Let's go do this after all."
0: So they break for the Luau, and Tubok is there and notices Miriam. And Miriam is playing Kaltel, which he finds quite fascinating, and walks over. And then we get some of the fun, uh, interesting interpersonal dialogue with Tuvok, which is a series of words I never thought I would be saying. Uh, But uh, Miriam basically clocks him cold on... How it is that he's dealing with his emotions and how it is that he is essentially being emotional right then and there by the way he has arrived at the party. And it captures his attention in a way that is quite well portrayed and quite striking. And for the
1: record, she she basically calls him like a little emo (laughs) bitch. She's like, oh, yeah, you're just being petulant and you're wearing the uniform to draw attention to yourself. And you're not wearing a lay because, you know, you're, you're trying to make a statement and you're just being a total attention whore. And, uh, you know, there it is.
0: Yeah. Calls him straight out and he's like. This is my fetish. Go on. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, he's like, I'm in. I'm into this. Oh, would
1: you like to see my other holodeck program where I strangle Neelix repeatedly?
0: Trust me, you'll want to do it after you meet him.
1: <laughs> I was merged so, yeah. with
0: this guy at a molecular level for two months. To kind of speed things up, because, man, we obviously we haven't done this in a while because we're 48 minutes and we've barely scratched the surface. Um, we got to hit the important parts. Let's talk about Boric's
1: buttoning a Hawaiian shirt up to the top button. <laughs>
0: I thought that was awesome that was such was like, a nice touch he's what like he's the what fuck is he wearing is that what a i mean?
1: <laughs> like this shirt and then i realized it's a hawaiian shirt and i had never seen someone button a hawaiian shirt up all the way it is awful it is almost as bad as his hair I, it, the only thing that would
0: have been better is if he had a tie on like yeah. <laughs> if he, if bow he, like, tie, <laughs> if he like formalized it like too much because he because he's an alien. Like I thought that they the fact that he had it buttoned up to the top button was perfect. Like that is yeah. exactly what a Vulcan would do. So that's good. awesome. Uh, we get uh, we get the foreshadowing of of Vork's interest in Bolana. Uh, Tom's like, huh? Got a little outmaneuvered there by uh by the nerd. All right, I guess I'll go see what Harry's doing. And Harry sees Tuvok. And Miriam talking and is like, uh, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't think I like this scene. And there are seeds of uh, seeds of jealousy that we see that ultimately come to some fruition later. But the point is, uh, throughout the rest of the episode, we see uh, Tuvok interacting with Miriam and clearly interested in her. And this it, it's it's clear that there's something going on with her that goes beyond normal hologramness. There's little tiny musical cues that tell you something sinister's happening. There's a moment before they cut
1: to commercial where she, you know, Tuvok walks away and she has this evil little smile as she turns her back.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they do the thing that you hate, like the thing mm-hmm. they didn't do in Fair Trade. Yes. Uh, is, it, you know, and kind of set set up the, the face heel turn a little too much. But uh what we f- what we find out is that, of course, all of these uh, not subtle hints uh, are there for a reason because uh, this hologram uh, might might be evil in some way. I mean, I guess there had to be a plot. but um, they they end up discovering that... There, there, there's some reason why this dampening field is occurring in this nebula that shouldn't exist. There's some source well, of it. they want to research it, and so it sets up them trying to maneuver around it, and and they start having ship problems. Is kind of what I want to get to because that's that ends up being a big part of of the plot.
1: Writer room at this moment does a good job of creating the breadcrumb trail to the faithful Star Trek viewers that you know. The guys who've been in it for a long time, because we see the character of uh, of Miriam evolving beyond what she was supposed to. She's picking up, uh, you know, Vulcan culture. She's she's growing. She's honing in on them. We see she's a little evil. And it really starts painting pictures of uh, Moriarty from. Uh, next generation. And before I could even get it down in my notebook, uh, you know, they flat out call it out. Like you said, there's a verse. Yeah. There's, there's some ship systems acting irregular. They lose propulsion. Ultimately, Tuvok rolls down to, uh, to the holodeck. He gets caught with Miriam by um, Kim. Who's like, you know, I trusted you. You know, I told you I had this crush on this woman. Now you're trying to eff her behind my back. You're a piece of garbage. She's like, no, guys, don't fight. And finally, like Tuvok hits his boiling point. He's like, this has gone too far. I see, you know, he doesn't say it, but basically acknowledges that he has kind of lost control of the situation. He's like, I'm deleting this lady. It's a problem. And we're going to end this right now. Kim storms off. And uh, Tuvok gets back to his quarters and he sees something that he should not see. And it is this holodeck character in his quarters cleaning up the place, wearing a Starfleet uniform. And she's got the doctor's hollow emitter chip tagged on her arm.
0: So they very cleverly explain that you know, she she basically dodged the delete and headed down to the med bay, and slapped that thing on. And she's very much aware that she's a hologram. And, like you said, they they set up the breadcrumb trail to make you think that this is another Moriarty situation, which I was and, pumped about, yeah, I, I, and I knew what was actually going to happen. I did not recall how well they kind of head faked it mm-hmm. with with setting it up uh, right down to her control of the sh- of the ship, like that she has started to affect the ship's systems in several different ways. She's got some level of control of what's going on, which is, again, much like what Moriarty was able to accomplish. And uh, all of this to say that uh, they determine uh, that this is occurring. They have a, a briefing after they try and deal with her and she she vanishes from Tuvok's quarters that uh, they need to go back to the holodeck to try and stop her, talk to her, do something. And to and be so- clear... Tuvok's not fucking around with her at all when Tuvok
1: walks in there and sees her like he calls intruder alert and gets um you know a security detachment down there because again they've had experience in the federation with this level of holodeck malfunction
0: yeah it's apparently something they study in the academy of like what to do when your holodeck programs become sentient and try to fucking murder you
1: And Janeway calls that out specifically. She says that this holodeck character has a level of intelligence that should, that, you know, is pretty much forbidden. Like, we don't want sentient programs coming out of our computer's imagination. This is a no-go. Make this stop. And Chakotay, I think, is when it says, you know, hey, we've got reports of this happening before he specifically calls out Enterprise Picard and Moriarty. Can you imagine, like, all the crazy stuff that, enterprise has encountered like how does the rest of starfleet get access to these reports is there like an underground gossip ring and they're just like oh my god dude you will not believe what happened to the enterprise this week."
0: did you (laughs) see the latest download of the logs from the d oh my god I mean
1: that's like the second time they've been docked at a starbase and aliens have kidnapped or have uh, have stolen the ship and flown it off like how my god did you see that data had a crazy chip activating them like a sixth time and locked everybody out of the bridge with poison gas like classic data
0: <laughs> it's it's all because it's like so the the federation of that centuries like version of uh of a FOIA request. <laughs> you know, like it's Freedom of Information Act, so it's all like all this shit gets published like days of our lives.
1: There's a Starfleet TMZ rogue site that just publishes <laughs> all the dirt, but they do it under pseudonym so like the people leaking the info don't get busted.
0: Ensign Stone Boner, you know, or something <laughs> like that. So Um yeah, so
1: Tuvok like a hey, intruder alert. He rolls back up to the bridge and says, "Uh this thing is out of control." And I tried to delete her. She dodged it. They talk about Moriarty and their solution is, well. We're going to have to go back into the holodeck and confront her, which seems like the craziest, most worst idea ever to me, because we've talked about it before. The holodeck, if you wanted to, is like a lovely room of death where you could just have bullets materialize in people's heads or drop them or any crazy hellraiser ish scenario you want to imagine hooks shooting out of the corners and ripping skin off of people like that would be the last place i would want to go if you know rogue ai
0: is hiding out and is god you, you just you just basically checked all the boxes dude and not only are you checking all the boxes but that's what actually fucking happens so they go down to the holodeck and like all of the Polynesian resort people are like have lays and all that stuff, and then they start to try and murder them, and it's the best fight scene ever. You got they 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 have this Polynesian lady trying to put a lay over Bolana as she's fiddling with the computer, and literally they start. She tries to start choking her like it's piano wire. It's yeah. fucking it's fucking metal as shit. It's awesome. And she went
1: you know soft. I'm like you could go way darker, and and kind of a hint to that is. While Balan is getting choked to death, uh, Paris goes to run over and help her, and he runs into a force field because you know that's what all of this is like. There were a hundred and one different ways that sorry, like a million and one different ways that that uh, they could have killed these people off, and they're not going to do it. But uh, real, real stupid move walking into the danger room while the enemy has the home team advantage. Ultimately, uh, I think Paris. You know, he's got a phaser and he shoots a, I don't know, some sort of fuse box on the wall and shuts the whole thing down. Right. But along the way, they find out, hey, there's this weird subspace signal that is coming out of the nebula, which the CG on this nebula just got worse and worse throughout the episode to the point where it just looked like Voyager was flying around cigarette smoke. (laughs) And they're like, something might be out there in the uh, the smoky menthol clouds um hey maybe we this need to is... head into
0: flavor town yeah <laughs> that's flavor maybe, country over there
1: maybe this is not uh rogue ai and maybe this is alien influencer and we we spun the wrong plot wheel and we got to look at this a different way
0: i mean i think Bolana actually straight up says that like i was able to find out that it's like some fucking space station that's doing this and yeah. so their move Ultimately is to send Tuvok down there alone. And this was just the fucking weirdest thing to me. They send him down there alone to talk to the the hologram. And they use that as a way to like detect where the manipulation of the hologram is coming from. If it's being like manipulated like a puppet. And then they just flat blind beam Tuvok to the source of the location. They don't fucking check to see what it is. Does it have a breathable atmosphere? Because it could be an atmosphere of, like, pure, like, sulfur and amines. Nicotine. Aids. Yeah, or whatever. Pure nicotine. Yeah, that could, I mean, like, that could be something that is toxic to Vulcan life, for all they fucking know. But instead, they're like, ah, oh, fuck it. Beam him over there. What's the worst that could fucking happen?
1: That's pretty much happens. He gets in there. It's a, it's a dumpy little space station. He's got his phaser out for a minute. And then he encounters the the hand behind the puppet strings of everybody's favorite blonde busty hologram.
0: And I will say, it's the same actress that was playing yeah. the hologram. The makeup was really good. Uh, there was once again shit in the hair, but it was better looking. And the facial articulation on the actual makeup job really like helped a lot in the scene. So I so said the makeup was great. My only problem is at this point, the whole like, uh, you know, I'm in love with you part of the plot line is just straining so much credulity at this point because they kind of went a little too one dimensional with her loneliness that this whole scene felt a little bit more flat than the rest of the the, the stuff that they did with Tuvok here. That's my personal take, but they, they wrap things up by having essentially the revelation that this is a scientist that's been working on the space station to keep this nebula in place so that it could be enjoyed essentially as a tourist attraction, and which I thought was the
1: best part of this whole thing is that she's up there getting a bad case of the space madness. <laughs>
0: yeah. Basically she's gone crazy from being lonely because she's by her fuck over. self
1: yeah, over what is essentially nice shrubbery on the side of the, the, the
0: highway. You know, she just, she, she didn't expect to, Run into a, you know, she likes to like get into the ships that pass by like database and like learn things about him because she's a shy, socially awkward science nerd and not good at social interaction. Like, they paint it that way. She's not evil. She's just, you know, weird. She didn't expect to, to run into a holodeck and then be able to be this person and then interact with everybody and things kind of spiraled out of control and, and, they, they definitely paint the situation as this is a big, tragic misunderstanding, you know?
1: Uh, uh, I don't know, man. She's like, Tuvok, you're going to stay with me and you're going to be in love um, or I'm going to blow your fucking ship up and kill everybody on there. Like, it's it's not really an innocent situation at that point.
0: I, I'm she, not. Yeah. OK, I guess it's somewhere between she's evil and she's just weird. It's it's not that she's malevolent. She's just kind of desperate. You know,
1: she's she's a little out of touch with polite
0: society. Yeah, that's how they portray it. That's how they portray it, and I get it. I get what they're doing.
1: And boy, is she ugly! I don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's her long, crimped beard hairs that <laughs> that yeah, are uh, the real it real
0: nasty. It real nasty. Like, take they did a, a great job of making her ugly while making it look really good.
1: Yeah. You you take an iguana, you put a beard on it, you hit it with a flat iron and you give her the ability to blow up your ship. And that's, that's what Tuvok's dealing with there. But I agree. I I think once he's on the space station and starts engaging her in conversation, that's where the episode kind of the quality goes down on the writing. I don't know what the right way to have salvaged this short of, Tuvok like you know her not backing off and Tuvok having to phaser her and feel bad because he regretted that there was a, a feeling and a fondness and that he didn't like what he had to do but he did it because you know he's a company man maybe that would have been the right way uh, but at the end she's like he's like hey uh, how about this instead of blowing my ship up and and holding me hostage why don't you just uh, why don't you rotate out and go back to your planet and hang out with some people and she's like oh yeah that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to do that. But <laughs> literally. Yeah. Literally. That's what she says. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. How logical. That's what I should do. <laughs> hey, why don't you just quit being depressed? You know what? That's a great idea. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. But she's like, but what about you, t- Tuvok? You're still going to be alone forever. And Tuvok kind of takes that to heart. And we we get a, a closing scene of um, him starting to buddy up with Kim.
0: I like that. I thought it ended on a cool note with him being like, you know, I kind of effed you and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And it it put a nice bookend on the idea that the episode's main drama was him not, you know, you've got to see how a disciplined uh, Vulcan deals with emotions in a way that's suboptimal. uh, But still look very much like realistic in the setting of 24th century Star Trek. And that this is him. Basically, he, he comes. He apologizes, and he does so through I. I am showing a gesture of my regard for you, what a Vulcan might call friendship, by bringing Kalto and essentially agreeing to teach you how to play, uh, because I want to show you that you are meaningful to me. I thought that was cool. Uh, they kinda, I liked they, it. They 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 brought it back up there right at the end with that scene.
1: And I also like the fact that Kim, you know, Kim's pretty butt hurt at the end of this, and he's like. Uh, you know, I thought humans are too stupid to play this game. He's like, well, most are. And like you said, he butters up a little bit. It's like, but, you know, I think you've got the potential. And then Kim's like, doesn't this take like years to learn how to play? And it's like, dude, you guys are trapped in the fucking Delta Quadrant for the next <laughs> 75 to 130 years, depending on how many pit stops Janeway wants to make. Like you got all the time in the world to play Vulcan space Jenga.
0: So it, I overall pretty good. Fell, fell apart there at the end. But plenty of of pretty funny moments. Pretty, plenty of uh interesting headcanon exploration as to how people react to the idea of falling in love with a hologram, how holographic technology has integrated itself into society. Um plenty of of dark jokes you can make at any time about like the 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 level of sexual deviancy in which uh, uh Tom Paris has no doubt engaged on the holodeck. Like he seems just like, duh, this doesn't give a fuck. Overall. I'd say this was a pretty good one to come back to. I would say that this is really good
1: for Voyager. And I think this is a great example of how Star Trek does a light episode with humor very well while still having significant stakes involved. And I think that if you could normalize every single episode of Voyager to be at this level of quality, you would be dealing with an entirely different piece overall yeah you would have to sacrifice the the projections and life signs and eye of the needle but if it meant getting rid of 37s and a lot of the other just pitfall episodes um voyager would come out a better overall product
0: i think you uh really reminded yourself this week of how terrible some of the writing of the show was (laughs) dude
1: i still haven't been able to weigh in with a vote so you know on the trauma support group we're doing um I'm going through and, and recapping season one and season two, the best of and worst of. And right now it's season two, the worst of and holy shit. There was a lot of bad episodes in that season. And it, I'm going to have to go a through a festival
0: of garbage. Oh my God.
1: And, and it's festival. I mean, we didn't even include space juggalo episode, which, you know, I don't think thought was that bad, but like, man, there's just terrible, terrible bottoms of Voyager. And I know there's more to come. So, Stuff like uh, last episode we did, which was um, Fair Trade, trade. and this, uh, they're they're starting to draw onto characters that don't get a lot of screen time together. The humor is there. The humor is well-placed. And like you said, just discussions about holodeck technology, holograms, the Federation's interaction with it. Like, it's cool. All the logic stuff between the two Vulcans we're starting to see, like... It's just cool stuff, and it's not, you know, run-and-gun phaser fights, but
0: certainly I mean, when it's you, better than... When you compare it to dealing with the 37s I or a say, Amelia Earhart didn't just pop out of the <laughs> like Come out of ev- a basement. This episode was relatively well-constructed. It had some interesting things going on, and managed to make Tuvok the emotional fulcrum of an episode and not be shitty.
1: And I, let's, it let's wasn't talk so about long
0: ever. ago that that was, seemed impossible.
1: Again, how do you use Tuvok correctly? And it's a, it's a question that even we have a hard time because as soon as you take him too far away from his core base of what he should be, without going like into real talk Tuvok territory, like you said, it's it's hard to take this this cardboard cutout, you know, popsicle stick of a, a character and make him interesting. And I think playing him off of very emotional people in very emotional situations. Uh, is the right way to do it. So good job to everybody who's involved in producing this.
0: So that wraps up our discussion of this episode. What do we have uh, coming up next? Give me a second because I forgot to pull that up. I'm off my game. Oh, I caught you. Caught you napping.
1: Yeah, I knew there was something I didn't do. All right. We're going into um, Season 3, Episode 15, Coda. And we see... I don't know, all the bridge crew in the mess hall with what looks like an admiral standing in there. Chakotay and Janeway crash on a planet and are stuck inside a time loop in which Janeway dies. This sounds awful, Joe. This sounds like everything I don't want out of Voyager. Namely,
0: time bullshit. You know, I I remember a couple things about this episode, but I do not remember nearly enough to be able to tell you if you're right or not. I know the episode that comes after this relatively well. Uh, in fact, that episode is one that Stevie in particular is preparing extra content for us. I'll, I'll discuss that next week, but um, this one, I'm a bit in the dark about, so I'm looking forward to re-watching it.
1: Uh, I actually have a say, uh, rule of acquisition to close out on. Rule oh, of absolutely. acquisition. Yeah, man. Number 59, this is in regards to Kim going to Tuvok for advice on how to forget about a girl before Tuvok goes and cucks him. (laughs) (laughs) Free advice is seldom cheap.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't go to Tuvok. He's Mr. Yo girl. (laughs) steel yo sex doll. All right. So thanks for uh, sticking with us here on VG. Please. We appreciate all the love and support we've gotten during our vacation. Uh, uh, You know, there's. Somehow we've gotten new listeners uh, while you. we've been off. Uh, it's kind yeah. of crazy. International listeners, in my day, we've got listeners yes. uh, in in Australia, yeah, uh, in in mainland Europe, uh, Germany, and, and in England now. Uh, so shout out to all of our international friends who have joined us. Some of us have joined the the Vija uh, Please Trauma Support Group, which everyone is quite welcome to join. Uh, just ask. Um, follow us on Facebook primarily I do try to keep our Twitter relatively updated um, You know, I'll do my best there But I am, you know, officially entering middle it, age So please That Riker Googling
1: Him asking if Foghorn Leghorn is racist That, what, what are the odds? I'm, I'm hoping and praying to Jesus That that guy listens to our show Riker Googling, if you're out there You bring me immense joy with your work Thank you
0: and even if you're not Riker Googling, you bring us immense joy by listening, comment, uh, share, uh, just listen and enjoy whatever you choose to do. We do deeply appreciate it. And we will catch you next week with our next episode. And we will, uh, be probably doing another live stream in a few weeks. Cause we'll be hitting the midway Mark in the, uh, in the season. We like to check in at those times and, and use that opportunity to stretch our legs a little bit and, I think the more people we got listening, than these they've become more lively lately. So I'm looking more forward fun to that as well. Yeah, zesty. So, so, see you next Thursday. Peace.